0: Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS,
1: covering the world of mapping and location technology. Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast covering all things spatial. I'm Jamie Nobbs, Marketing Coordinator at NGIS, and as listeners would know, I'm not your usual host. This is because our host, Sarah Butler... Marketing Manager at NGIS is in the guest speaker seat alongside Lively's Cardo Team Lead, Dion Fleming, another regular to the podcast. Today we'll be diving into how marketers are using location intelligence platforms and spatial data to help glean insights into buying behaviour of their customers. In particular, we look into a webinar Lively recently hosted in which Dion and Sarah were both speakers in alongside Google Cloud partner Data Runs Deep and experiential gift company Red Balloon. In this webinar, they showed the information you can glean from using Google Analytics data, how it was ingested into Google BigQuery and then visualised in Cardo to look at where product demand is coming from, how you can see cart abandonment by user location and the spread of customers visiting the site versus actually purchasing. In this episode, we also look into the importance of location intelligence in the world of marketing, in particular this year, and what opportunities a platform like Cardo can provide to a business. Let's get started. Thank you both for joining.
0: Thank you for having us, Jamie. This is really
1: weird for me to not be sitting in the hosting slot for a change.
2: Yeah, great to be here. It's been a while.
1: Let's jump straight into it. How important is location intelligence to people working in marketing?
0: I think it's probably more important to first look at how important data is to people working in marketing because I feel like you need the data first and then you tell a story with the data and that's why location intelligence becomes important for people in marketing and I think it really just depends on what kind of role you're in. But first, I guess it's the data. The data is the most important thing and most data has some kind of location element attached to it, but I suppose inherently in marketing teams, we're really data driven people. We like to look at, you know, how we can use data to support a campaign we're about to run. So pre-campaign and then we're looking at data throughout the campaign. And then most importantly, the reporting aspect of it is probably the most important part because you need to be able to show that all of the things that you're doing, all of the effort that you're putting in, all of the money you're asking for from your <laughs> senior managers is being used well. You need to be able to show the return on your investment. So for all of those things and all of those stages throughout the process, the data is the hero for any marketing team, I would say. And I'd be surprised if there were marketing people listening that wouldn't agree with that. In terms of what kind of data we're usually working with in marketing teams, I think that there's probably three key areas. I know there is for me. Um, Number one, and this is something that has been with me throughout my career in Australia, overseas, is CRM data. So your customer relationship management tools. So I've worked with Salesforce before. I'm now working with HubSpot. In terms of being able to target and segment out certain audiences, the data that is captured within your CRM really can shape and frame exactly how your campaign runs. So you know that you're targeting people from a certain industry, for example, or you know that you're targeting people by, it could be by gender, it could be by age group, The difficulty, and I think this is a pain point for everybody working in marketing, is that you're really, really trusting that the data that people are putting into the CRM is correct and clean. And usually when you are operating in a big business, you do have people that get a bit sort of lazy with that. But we really rely on that information. In terms of the location element of that, that usually I would say that when people input data into a CRM system, first thing that they're thinking about is the contact information. You know what's their email address? What's their company? What's their job title? The job title stuff, as you know, Jamie, is really really important in marketing because so if you're trying to in a B two B sense trying to target people that way, that's really helpful. But I feel like the location stuff in a CRM, in terms of relying on people in the business to put that in, becomes like a second fiddle to everything else. That can be quite painful for a marketing team. But most of the time, even if you can get like a state or a territory. If you've got an address, awesome, that's great. Um, But you'll find that it's sometimes there, sometimes it's not there, you don't know if it's correct. But in any case, that's really helpful. So we often find ourselves dabbling in what's in the CRM, how do we use that? You use that to send out email campaigns. You can use that to send out invitations for events based on where people are, for example. Invite them to attend a webinar. So there's the CRM data, number one. Number two would be, your marketing automation system. So if you're lucky enough to have one, it is a big investment by the business. I really, you know, I really do advocate for anyone I know that is working in a marketing team and is trying to get marketing automation. It really is like having another person in your team. But the great thing is, is that what the data that you collect in your marketing automation is really driven by the user, people visiting your website. And so a lot of this information about where people are particularly is all happening automatically. So that need and that reliance on people in the team within your organization, putting data in and not knowing if it's true or if it's up to date, all of that's sort of taken away. You do have a lot more information about the, the behaviors and the location of the people who are interacting with your brand. So that's number two. And number three would be Google Analytics. Or any other analytics, sort of your social media analytics um, that you get from your social media profiles if you don't have like a holistic view of that in marketing automation, you can do a deep dive in those platforms. But Google Analytics, it really can track for you exactly what each step of the journey looks like on the website and narrowing that down by location is really helpful. I can tell you all about that, but then in terms of how you then take that data and represent it in and what we call location intelligence and how we'd apply location intelligence to that data is that when you can put all of this information from these three places that I just said on map, probably be amazed at what you see because when we take our data from the CRM, when we take it from the marketing automation, when we take it from Google Analytics, it's in a massive spreadsheet. You can hit sort and filter on that. You'll be there for hours. You'll be there for absolute hours. In marketing, we move fast. We're very fast paced. You have to be really reactive in the way that you respond to changes in a campaign or change in decision making from people in management. Things can change in a heartbeat. You don't have time to be filing through Excel sheets. So what you can see in terms of the behaviours of your prospects, whether it's B2B or B2C, if you can see that there is a location element to that, it will help you understand your buyer behaviour more than you ever could by looking at rows and rows and rows of data. So location intelligence is as important, I would say, as the data you collect, but you just have to think creatively and think, how can I use this to my advantage?
1: How do you see the role of location intelligence changing for businesses in B2B compared to B2C?
0: Well, at NGIS in the group, obviously we have a few different brands. Some are B2B, some are B2C. I think with B2B, Location intelligence can still be applied for sure, but I just feel like the B2C use case is much more mature when you are in the business of selling products, or actually a different example of that would be like if you're a not-for-profit, for example, and you're relying on donations would be a great use case to look at. So you want to see where your donations are coming from, what areas are like hot spots for you, maybe what areas are places that you could develop your marketing campaigns, it would be really useful. But I think for sure there's a huge opportunity for people working in B2C to leverage location intelligence because it would be... Um, we've done a little look at and how, how it could look for people working in B2C in a webinar that we ran recently and it's, the results are pretty compelling when you can really drill
1: it down to an individual. What sorts of questions can you answer using Google Analytics?
0: There's a lot you can answer from Google Analytics. I think like I mentioned and I touched on before, you can really drill down to what an individual user is doing in their session on your website, whether they return or not, you can really break down exactly what path they've taken to purchase. And what you can see then is you can start to maybe draw some assessment around, you know, what could have been the reason that they abandoned that cut or what was the thing that actually led them into purchase. Something I find really interesting is that if you're running ad campaigns, um, particularly with Google ads, you can sort of look at your acquisition of your different uh, website visitors. So if you're trying to assess the effectiveness of an advertising campaign, for example, Google Analytics is a really, really good way of doing that because you can put UTM track links on all of your different advertising campaigns, whether it's on social or whether it's on Google, for example, in search, and you can start to assess, okay, well, that Google Ads campaign is doing really, really well, but it's doing really well in these cities and not these other cities, for example. Or those people that are coming to the website via the Facebook ad are, you know, it's high traffic, but they're less likely to buy. So what does that tell us about our demographics? So if you're really into answering questions about maybe the psychology of the buyers that come to your website, Google Analytics will be really, really great for you because it'll just help you understand the demographics of the people you're working with and really what can influence those purchase decisions.
2: I think that comes into the whole piece around B2C and B2B. It's just the amount of data that's out there for B2C. So like you said, you can follow the whole journey. There's other sort of data sets like the financial information and these sorts of things that all relate to consumers more than businesses. So I think that's why you see it more mature at the moment, but there's still plenty of use cases for it in B2B, but they're just different. And yeah, probably have have some way to go, I think in in terms of their maturity in the market.
1: So you talk about all of this uh, location data that is sitting in Google Analytics already, how sophisticated is the visualisation in Google Analytics?
0: It could be better. I mean, I think Well, what was really interesting is that we did a, a bit of an analysis on this and kind of the reason that Dion and I came up with this idea of putting Google Analytics data into Carto was that we, we found that the map that was out of the box in Google Analytics was a bit lacklustre considering how much data is captured in Google Analytics and how much of it is location-based, we were like, oh, that map, it isn't great. Yeah, so I think that there is a huge area for development there for Google to think about. And actually when we started talking and doing some thought leadership pieces after the webinar, Google Analytics themselves actually retweeted the blog that we wrote talking about the fact (laughs) that the map in Google Analytics isn't really that mature So I think that even they would probably agree that it's an area for for development. But yeah, for sure, at the moment, what you see is one simple static map that just colours in each country. Each country is like tiny to look at with blue. So like obviously darkest blue is more users from those countries coming to your website, a lighter blue meaning there's less people from that country coming to your website. There is so much more there um, that the map doesn't show. What role does cato play
1: in helping visualise that data and what are some of the other options in the market for visualising Google Analytics data?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so like, like we've talked about, cato is the one that we used, um, particularly in the webinar that we ran recently. And really what Carto is, it's a location intelligence platform, which those words are sort of thrown around a lot in the industry. But what it really means is that it manages the th- three critical components of any good analytic solution, which is the, the actual analytical function itself, the visualisation of that analysis and telling the story with the data, uh, and then also the storage and hosting and bringing together different data sources. So there's, that's sort of the three key components in terms of the, the Google Analytics data itself, we used the, the full platform. So we ingested the data. We then combined it with some CRM data and then we were able to run analysis on it and then visualise that, then hand it over back to the customer and then they're able to go away and extract insights from it. Because in reality, they're the ones that know their business best. They're the ones that need to find the answers. Um, so we just prepared these things and then sort of hand it over to them.
0: I think um, going back to what you were saying as well, Dion is like, the data that exists in Google Analytics and actually drawing that out of Google Analytics is is kind of a natural thing to talk about Google BigQuery, which, you know, is something that we looked at. Something I want to note as well in terms of visualization in addition to Cardo, and probably justifies the reason why we chose Cardo for this little experiment that we did, is that Google BigQuery also has a visualization platform called um, BigQuery GeoViz, which we've looked at before. Um, We've Mm. done a little bit of analysis on that before as well. But again, don't want to sound like I'm bashing Google because I love Google, but um, even BigQuery GeoViz I think is, is great, but it's still just a bit basic. It doesn't really allow you to drill into the several layers of data that you can get. So that was something else we looked at.
2: Yeah, in terms of the Google Analytics data, the key is that it has the location aspect and that they're exposing that and we're able to then export that out of there Um, And like you said, putting it into BigQuery, which there is a nice connection through obviously both Google products, then being able to show that in Google BigQuery and the GeoViz product, but then even taking it further because, yeah, there are some limitations in terms of what GeoViz can do and it's probably not ready for production application. It's more of an exploration sort of tool.
0: I think so. I think a good way I would describe it um, would be that if you're looking at sort of like very basic location analysis, then yeah, sure, go ahead and use BigQuery GeoViz. But if you want to do advanced, not advanced in the sense that it's difficult, but like if you want to really drill down into the data, I don't think you're going to get from BigQuery GeoViz
1: that, that level of intelligence that you probably could see in a platform like Cardo. So you talked about ingesting the Google Analytics data into Cardo. Can you tell me a little bit about that process?
2: yeah yeah so we in the initial requirement was to get google analytics data uh, and essentially improve on uh, what was available within the platform that google analytics provides particularly in terms of the location uh, visualization so that was the the key requirement so we sort of thought okay we've got this data and there's a lot of it that probably isn't being exposed we also knew that we wanted to combine it with other data and so yeah like i mentioned google analytics and BigQuery, both google products so they connect nicely together so the first step was just simply plugging those two in. So we got the Google Analytics data, pushed it into a BigQuery, um, a couple of BigQuery tables. From there, we were then able to sort of um, we essentially use that as like a sandbox. Um, so that's the good thing about BigQuery is that within the console, you're able to just run. Uh, pretty simple SQL queries. And yeah, that's where we pretty much explored the data at that point. Um, We started to think what sort of questions could we answer with this data? What would be interesting to visualize, that sort of thing. So we used that as a bit of a playground for uh, probably a couple of weeks there. And then the the final phase was now we've got it in BigQuery. We can either use something like Geoviz, but like we talked about, there are some some limitations there. We didn't we can use that as an exploration tool, but when we wanted to then present it back to clients or to show it in webinars and build demos from it, um, we really needed a, a, a proper location intelligence platform. So yeah, naturally Cardo was the was our tool of choice. And yeah, the convenient thing as well that probably influenced the decision to use Cardo is that there was a connector. So from BigQuery into Cardo essentially using the BigQuery SDK, then plugs into Cardo, you access the tables, you can run queries from within the Cardo platform, uh, and then that data moves into the Cardo um, database, and then we use that to display information, uh, to display that data. Um, So yeah, it was quite a natural link between the three, um, bringing them all together, and it ended up, yeah, quite a nice ecosystem, I think, between the three of them. Though It was quite simple for it to all flow between. So yeah, I think it worked out quite well.
0: I think it's like, You know, we're talking about those three key areas. So you've got Google Analytics data, it then comes into BigQuery and then using the BigQuery Cardo connector, it will then go into Cardo and then you can sort of say as a business leader, okay, these are the questions I want answered. And more often than not, you can probably find the answers using that data. But one thing I will note is that if you are a standard Google Analytics user, then yes, you will need to ingest the data periodically into BigQuery but if you are a GA360 user, um, meaning that you're probably a larger organization, you probably have a more sophisticated use of and reliance upon Google Analytics, and you are using GA360, or BigQuery is already part of the package, like you're already using it. If you don't know, you are using it, and it's free, so use it. Um, but it kind of takes that that step out. So with the the standard Google Analytics plan, there is a certain manual step, I would say, to, to bring that data into BigQuery, which takes a little bit of time. It's not over the top. But if you are on GA360, it's already in BigQuery. You're probably already using BigQuery. And so that Cardo BigQuery connector is just another small step and it just makes the whole process so seamless.
1: So going back a little bit, you touched on combining the data sets, the Google Analytics and the CRM data what opportunities are there for marketers to actually combine different data sets to create insights what are some examples you've seen out there
2: Uh, in terms of some of the more interesting or the the data sets um, that we work with a lot of the time with marketing or what they refer to as geo marketing now with the the geo location sense in it probably some of the key ones is financial information so understanding where people are spending money what they're spending money on in terms of industries and and categories and that sort of thing uh, and then human mobility data, which is around the movement of people, really. So everyone's got a smartphone, it tracks where they're moving. All of it's anonymized. so it's, it's not yet yeah, too creepy in terms of it's sort of the big brother approach. But, yeah, it anonymizes uh, and gets aggregated up, uh, but it allows people to then understand who's moving around the city, what times do they move, and what are the demographics of the people that are moving around. Uh, those sorts of things are obviously crucial, particularly if you get into things like out-of-home out of advertising understanding where people are moving is key. And then just generally demographics, so socio-demographic information, what household income, the age, Mm -hmm. gender, these sorts of things can really inform if you've got a target audience or a buyer persona that you're trying to, I suppose, target. That's exactly the sort of data you need for that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like if I'm running a campaign and I work for a huge retailer, for example, I might be running a campaign, you know, I'm trying to sell a set of products online. I might see that, In Sydney and Brisbane and Perth, I'm having much more success in terms of ads to cart, purchase all the way through. If I can then overlay that with some of the data that Dion was just talking about, it can tell a really compelling story. I just had a thought actually when you were using that example of the human mobility data and the financial data that you can get as well. I know that there are a few really good data streams available to get that information. I think to put it in the context of what we're seeing happening now in the world, if I was that retailer, in the example that I just gave, and I you know, am selling clothes online, I might be running a campaign and I might see that, yes, it is doing well in Sydney and in Brisbane and in Perth and Adelaide, for example, but maybe things aren't doing so well in Melbourne. Now, you don't have to be a genius to figure out what's happening in Melbourne at the moment, but... If you had that financial services data, if you had the human mobility data and you could overlay that with what you're seeing from your campaigns and people interacting with your campaign and you can see that Melbourne's not doing so well, you're like, oh, okay, let me drill down a bit further, bring that data in and have a look. Then you can see that they're also not spending a huge amount of money, that they're also not moving around a lot because of what's happening with COVID. So you know that things aren't going to do great in Melbourne at the moment because of what's happening But as things improve, you might see that shift and change again. So as people are moving around more, they're spending more, your campaigns are doing better. So then you might just choose to, for the time being, shift your resources. As a marketing manager, you're like, okay, I can see that there's a whole situation happening there. We're probably not going to reap what we we sow. So I'm going to actually divert some of my advertising funds to these places where I am seeing success. So having the ability to bring in these other Data streams to supplement what you're doing helps you justify your marketing decisions.
2: I think also the another sort of location data set in a way is just being able to say standardize based on population, for example. So you always see at the top that you'd have Sydney, Melbourne in Australia at least. Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane. Sort of the capital cities are going to be sort of hubs for activity, of course. But um, sometimes that what can be lost uh, in some of the smaller cities is that you might actually have really good engagement or, or really high uptake of your platform or your product or whatever you're, um, whatever you're trying to sell. Yet in certain areas you might find, oh, we're actually having success here. Or if you take it to a, an international scale, there might be certain countries um, that even though perhaps population's a little lower, but you're actually getting really good engagement there um so then being able to to get a, almost a statistic per, per capita and understand what your engagements like at that level that can be really valuable
0: yeah that can really take you by surprise as well in business like you might see information like that you're like oh what the hell mm, <laughs> like
2: yeah yeah i had
0: no idea because you can't find it in the spreadsheet but for example that to me just hearing you say that that would make me think oh okay wow we have a whole bunch of people in this country that are are looking at our website, that are purchasing things. If I'm then looking at my shopping cart experience as a marketing manager or as somebody else in the business, I'd be going, okay, what are our options in the checkout for packaging and like shipping to that destination? What can we do to further incentivize that? Can we run a promotion for that country to say, oh, shipping is half price at the moment and really get it going? So it's pretty amazing. The ripple effect that understanding location within your business can have in terms of what you do next. So that's kind of an example of of how we can use different data streams to supplement what they're doing, but or what we're doing um, with our campaigns. But there are really some other cool ways that you can use location intelligence in marketing that we sort of don't talk about in the webinar. I think one of them is probably geofencing, right, Dion? Because mm-hmm. I think that it's something that I see in Europe and North America that a lot of Companies are doing really, really well at the moment within their apps. I haven't dabbled in it before, but can you maybe talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think up until this point, we've been talking in terms of timeframes or the timeline of the engagement, it's always either planning for it. So where we're going to place our advertisements or um, yeah, where we're going to um, run a campaign and these sorts of things, or we're uh, then measuring success of those after the fact. So it's, we're sort of skipping the middle bit in a way. Um, And so I think the middle bit is things like uh, real-time notifications or real-time advertisements and that sort of thing, which can be driven by things like geofencing. So uh, it's inherent uh, in the location aspect to it that the phone moves into an area Then there's sort of a the geofence is like a digital boundary of sorts um, that once the phone crosses that boundary, then they'll either trigger a notification or they'll see some sort of uh, advertisement or something like that. And, yeah, so being able to then use that uh, in in sort of a clever way to drive engagement and to keep people interested in the brand and that sort of thing, it can be really interesting. Uh, Like one example I saw of that was the, I think it was called the Whopper Detour. And it was something that I think Burger King, it was in the US, um, we have a similar setup here with Hungry Jack's and McDonald's, but they effectively, if you had the app installed and you went into a McDonald's store, it would then say, hey, we're only 500 metres down the road, it's a Burger yeah. King store, come there. And I think it was a dollar um, that they, that was the special. So it was like, you're in McDonald's, hey, come over here and you'll get a Whopper for a dollar. So it was kind of like guerrilla marketing um, sort of tactics, which I thought was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool. I've, I've seen other campaigns that do things like that. But, you know, this is actually something else Dion and I have been, like, dying to to kind of experiment with. I'm going to bring you back to Google Cloud Summit last year. Do you remember when we were talking oh, about yeah. – So, basically, Lively was exhibiting at the Google Cloud Summit last year. What we ended up doing to basically demonstrate what location intelligence is for people is that Brendan in the Lively team actually built these Raspberry Pi sort of Bluetooth beacons that were showing how people were moving around the conference floor. So we wanted people to see in a real-life context what location intelligence does. Dion and I came up with that idea in the end, but it wasn't our first idea. Do you mm. remember? We talked about geofencing.
1: Yes, I yeah, actually yeah, yeah.
0: contacted... Google and ask them if they would be keen to – I didn't know at this point if they had an app. I feel like you need an app, really, to make geofencing effective like you do because the user has to opt in to be like, yes, I will tell you where I am all the time using my location services on my phone. Unfortunately, Google didn't have an app for that event. However, I would recommend it to anyone in marketing that is running an event that maybe takes place over a week when you do have an event app because a lot of people do build – event apps when they're running something like a roadshow. I really, really wanted to play around with this for Google Cloud Summit last year. It didn't work out. But what we wanted to do was actually, let's say for instance, they did have an event app. What we wanted to do was actually implement geofencing on the Google event app so that when people walked into the um, the convention centre in Sydney, they would get an alert on their phone to say, hey, welcome to the Google Cloud Summit, everything you need for like a coffee or something to eat is just on the right-hand side of you because it is, you know, location-based. You can actually say and acknowledge where that person is, for example. And then we wanted to sort of say this is powered by Lively because we wanted to we wanted people to see that, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like based on where I am, I'm getting this alert to tell me where my nearest coffee station is and that was done by that company that does location intelligence. So that's an example of how we wanted to do it mm. and I guess another way – for marketing people to think about how they could use geofencing. And I think events is a really, really cool thing to consider for that.
1: In the wake of COVID 19 in Australia and also on a more global scale, how important do you think location intelligence for the marketing industry is going to be moving forwards?
0: Oh, I, think, I think it's going to be huge. Um, nothing, nothing is as it seems at the moment, everything is changing every month or so as soon I think even here in Australia it's like as soon as you think things are looking up something will you know horrible will happen and I know I talked about Melbourne before but my heart really just goes out to them because it was like as soon as things started looking like they're on the up one moment in time has led to now most of the east coast being back in as a state of lockdown and that impacts the economy and when we're working in marketing we're primarily we're growth managers, you know, we're looking at how do we grow business. So I think location intelligence and the way we're, we're using it and the way that we're sort of interacting with it is going to be really important to make decisions about how we spend our money and how we get the best return. I used a, yeah, I used a bit of an example before about diverting funds and applying effort where you know you might see a a higher return, and we had a really interesting use case as part of the webinar that we ran, which was um, with Red balloon, which was primarily focused on travel and as we all know the travel industry and tourism industry is kind of on its knees at the moment. so one of the things that we spoke about with with those guys at Red Balloon and Big Red Group was the trans tasman bubble, and whether or not when borders open up, how people are going to be purchasing experiences in different cities, you know what We can see in terms of that example is that the government could make a decision and say, you know, borders are opening up between here and New Zealand. For that business, they would use location intelligence to then assess, you know, how people are going to buy and purchase experiences in in different cities and different places. They can also look at past data to sort of start looking at predicting what might happen as well. Overall, though, I think that... What we've seen in the pandemic is that people are more aware of their location than ever before. I think that transcends from an individual's point of view to all the way up to somebody very senior in a business. I think that it's probably going to really impact how we do business from now on. And I think people will be looking at geography more than ever in the way that they make business decisions.
1: For anyone in the marketing industry that is looking at using a tool like Cardo or how they can use location intelligence in their business and optimize how they use it in their business, what resources are there out there to actually help get them started? So I wrote an article for Cardo
0: based on the work that Dion and the Lively team did helping to bring that webinar together. So from a marketing perspective, I, I, I mean, that's how I wrote it. I really kind of talk about in that article, this is what you can see geographically in Google Analytics, which is nice, but you know you can do a lot more with it. And then I kind of talk through in that article about all the different use cases and show examples and GIFs. So yeah, there is a link to that article, which I can give you for the show notes. In addition to that, there is a recording of the webinar that we ran mm. on Google Analytics um, data visualized in Cardo. And we talk about the BigQuery connector in that as the interlocker in the process. So if any marketing managers are listening or people that want to share this information with the marketing team and their business, do direct your colleagues to that because I think the best way to explain how location intelligence is useful to you is to actually just see it like show and tell. We use data from a client to tell some stories with the data, answer some of those key business questions. So that's a really good place to start. The only other thing I would mention, maybe it's less of a resource, would be just something to think about is that I think something that we struggle with in marketing is really being able to show the value of what we're doing. Because I think in business where we, you know, business leaders will typically look at their revenue. And when it comes to end of financial year, for example, or if you're doing a reflection on the quarter, it's kind of difficult sometimes for marketing managers and people working with the marketing teams to really say, hey, this is the, the influence we've had and this is the impact that we're having. I think that Cardo is a really beautiful tool to visualize that data. From what I've seen before is that when you show Cardo maps to people in the senior business, they're just blown away by them. And it really can say to them from your perspective in marketing, hey, this is the campaign that we're running and here is how it's been impacted on a map. And I think at a glance, in terms of time, senior business leaders, like, they just want to see things quickly. They don't want to siphon through pages and pages and pages of a report or go through spreadsheets with you or look at pie charts. They just want to see the impact of what you're doing very quickly and at a glance. So that would just be one piece of advice that I would give. Go and check out the, the webinar to see what I'm talking about, but it is kind of a game changer, I would say. And the other thing I would note as a resource is Cardo's newsletter called Cardo 5. It's really cool if you're just kind of wanting to learn more about location intelligence and you're just trying to educate yourself on it and how it could be useful. They have a subscription link on their website, which we can link you to. And I know that Dion actually sends out a newsletter from Lively, Mm -hmm. which talks about more of an Australian context and how you can be using Cardo.
1: I think that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Location Matters, guys. Thank you for hosting it, Jamie. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you did like this episode, you want to hear more, we will link you to some of the resources that Sarah and Dion talked about during the episode. If you did like this episode and want to hear more, please hit subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Stitcher.
0: You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.